0: Welcome to Fires in the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan. And in front of me is Roy. Hello, everyone. Dude, lots of baseball.
1: Yeah. Lots yeah. of baseball. Yeah, you went to two games this weekend up in Lake Elsinore? You went to three. I went to three.
0: You got to see your Joey Contillo start, which was
1: sweet. That was Yeah, and he was good that day, too. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And we'll be answering. Uh, we have a new segment coming on in the next episode here with all the interviews that we've done uh, with Aaron Lesher, with Joey Contillo, and an excellent interview with uh, storm hitting coach Doug Banks. Where we're going to talk about Joey Cantillo and if the stuff plays and what we both saw. Nice. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, it's the last weekend. Like I go through this week at work and then we leave Friday and then we spend the last three days of the season in Tennessee. Nice. So, so this last, last night's game that I went to was our last game, my last game of the season. Well,
1: now, you're going to go to the um, the I will, farewell dinner, right? We'll be at the farewell Because that is a game day.
0: Yeah, I, good, cool, ooh. well, maybe not, maybe I'll surprise the team and go up there and just be really buggy with my camera. There you go. <laughs> Get right up in everybody's face. <laughs> you know, I noticed one thing real quick, and I noticed that Tony Tarasco wasn't with the team again. Oh, really? Yeah, he wasn't with the team yesterday. Okay. I, I don't know about, you know, I didn't see him on Friday. And I don't know if I you know, did. You see him on Saturday?
1: I, I don't know. We didn't see. I didn't see him all weekend. Yeah. But maybe he's got something personal going on. Maybe he's got a, a wedding in the family or
0: yeah, a couple. weeks You ago, know, there's a family thing. Yeah. Uh, I, a couple of weeks ago, when I was in the well, I uh, I asked Pete some more of that, and he said he's with family. Okay. So you know that's very personal. And oh yeah. I didn't elaborate. I don't normally care. It's like, hey, where's the coach? Yeah. Now we, we we sometimes forget
1: that these are normal people with normal lives and right. things going on. Right. I mean I just lost my grandfather a couple of weeks ago. So I could imagine, you know, if I was a a manager of a minor league ball club, I'd have to tell everybody, I'm sorry, I got to go take care of some things for a couple of days.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the organizations all organizations are going to like particularly in the minor leagues like Dude, you can handle it and you can mm-hmm. go take care of your business.
1: But an interesting side effect of that is you get to see some of the players go out as base coaches. Oh, yeah. Like, we noticed Tirso Arnelas was first base coach at one point.
0: Dude! And, and so Pete Zamora's like, and it was like, I was right there in the well when that happened, and and Zamora's like, Arnelas, first base! And then he was, like, caught off guard. He didn't know he had to go to first base, and he didn't have a hat on, and so they gave him, a, <laughs> they gave him a helmet, and, like... They almost had to wait for him. Like, the pitches were done. They were just kind of milling about. And they I, had run over to the first base. And it's like... I remember the umpire kind of gestured over to, like, are you going to send somebody or not? <laughs> right. Pete's like, dude, what's up? But, and, and so Pete Zamora took over for Tony Trasco as coach. Okay. Which is really cool. And you know who else? Who was sitting there with him? Was that, um, was that the pitching
1: coordinator, Eric Young? You know, I, I didn't... I, I wasn't looking at the faces of the coaches.
0: I wasn't down there um, looking at the dugout. I'm pretty sure it was. It, 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 yeah, I'm pretty sure that was him. It was okay, the pitching coordinator. It wasn't our infield coordinator. Um, I, his name fails Hooper. me right now. Hooper. Kevin Hooper. Kevin Cooper. It's an H. Is it an H? Yeah, Hooper. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. yeah we hey folks, no, but they've we follow the minor league system. But but we don't know these.
1: Guys. That's one thing that when Preller took over and started making all these changes with the staff. He added, I mean, there's an extra coach at each level. And then you also have these roving instructors and coordinators more than, a lot more than the Padres had before. Yeah. So it seems like there's always a different face. You see Riley Westman. You see all these different people coming in to help out with whatever.
0: And I like that because, you know, you want to fortify, you want to... Continue with the philosophy of the organization, be it mm-hmm. offense, be it defense. You want to, you know, continue that. What's the word I'm looking for here? Continuity? Re- reinforce. Yeah, continuity oh, yeah. and reinforce. Um, you know, it's probably just a check-in at the end of the season. Well, Is it's it-
1: also good to get a fresh look at what's going on. Yeah. You know, you see the same player every day. You might not notice when something starts to change a little bit. You know, he might come in and go, you know, I don't remember his release point being that low. And then, sure enough, you look at the video, well, yeah, he has dropped down a couple inches. Let's bring that back up. Maybe yeah. that's why the slider doesn't have the run it used to. That's that kind of, kind of like, thing.
0: It's kind of like when my boss comes into my restaurant and then you're like, hey, what's this? What's this? Oh, I didn't see that because I'm <laughs> in here every day yep. and, and I don't notice it. And yep. uh, you, you kind of glaze over it, but let's get going. Uh, batting off. there have been a lot of roster moves. There have been. Um, my opinion of this, and we'll get into it in a second, it's a need, mm-hmm. filling in needs. Uh, B, we have some older guys that were playing in the younger, uh, you know, some older guys that were in the complex, some older guys that were playing in divisions kind of out of their age. Uh, and we need to see what they got. For sure. So, you know, Sin reported Saturday that Lee Solomon, who leads the 10 caps in doubles, was promoted to Lake Elsinore. Yes. So
1: Angela and I met Lee Solomon when we were in Fort Wayne. And uh, he's a super nice guy. He's listed as a second baseman. He's probably going to play first base. In Lake Elsinore, because they've been, I mean, you've had Olivier Basabe playing there a lot, and they're kind of out of position, because they don't have anybody that's a first baseman. But he's, I mean, he can do the full-on splits.
0: i watched several (laughs) of those games. Yeah, and he's
1: got a great (laughs) hand for for picking throws out of the dirt. Um, He's got a good feel for the position. So, well, I think a lot of this was predicated because Fernando Tatis Jr. got hurt. Yeah. Um, Ian Kinsler got hurt. So you've got two openings on the major league roster. So then you see Ty France, Travis Chankowski get called up. Congratulations to those two guys. absolutely. And then there's the whole cascade effect moving up from there. Yeah. So Tyler Benson, um, he moved up to Fort Wayne and he got his first home run of his career. So congratulations to Tyler Benson.
0: Absolutely. And then shortstop Chris Given and Ripken Reyes, who uh, we'll talk about here in a minute in the affiliate rundown. Uh, we're both 2019 third-day draftees. We're sending up to Fort Wayne from the complex. Mm-hmm.
1: Taylor Colway went up to El Paso. Yeah. He's been playing in Amarillo most of the season. Uh, he's a corner outfielder, but then he's been playing first base in Amarillo. Uh, it'll be uh, He'll probably move back out to the outfield in because uh, they've got Adderlyn Rodriguez and a couple other guys, Jason Vossler, that can play first base. So he'll be back out in the corner outfield positions. Um, Tom Coletti and Dan Dallas. Now, Tom Coletti started in like Elsinore this year, right?
0: I think for a for a for a heartbeat, for okay, not even a cup of coffee, like a sip of water. <laughs> well,
1: but Dan Dallas started in Fort Wayne, struggled in Fort Wayne, went back yeah, to down Tri-Cities. to Tri Cities,
0: yeah. had a really good stretch there, yeah. and now he went straight up to El Paso. Yeah, both those guys, I think, are a little bit older. I think they're twenty two, twenty three. Mm-hmm. So once again, you got older guys playing in lower divisions where, and there's a need. Let's see what you got. Yeah, and maybe it's a precursor. of, okay, they did. Okay, maybe they'll finish in Double A, or maybe you know, maybe they could find themselves somewhere in. In the next month, well, three weeks of school. They're what?
1: relievers. Three weeks of school. They what? didn't sign for a whole lot of money, which, I mean, it's kind of crummy that that plays into it. But yeah. the guys that they invest a lot in, they're more careful about how they move them around. Yeah. The people that are a little bit older that didn't sign for a whole lot, they wind up getting, abu- I don't want to say abused, but they wind up getting moved around a lot more and put into awkward situations.
0: They get a lot of miles on their <laughs> Their reward.
1: yeah, so hopefully they're <laughs> racking up those frequent flyer miles and using them for their own benefit. um and then a name that uh, I want to add to the list here, Sam Williams, who was an undrafted free agent this year. He's been in the complex this whole time. He just came up to uh, uh, to Lake Elsinore uh, what the day before yesterday. yeah, and so his uncle Dan Williams is an active member of Padre's Twitter. He and I followed each other. Before his nephew got signed, and he so he tweeted out, "Hey, my nephew just got signed by the Padres." So we've been following Sam's story. Yeah. Then next thing I know, there's a picture of Dan with Sam in Lake Elsinore. Like, oh my gosh, he's here!
0: Right. I, I saw the same thing too. And then I saw him because I was at the game earlier for interviews, and he was walking down the you know down the concourse, and I walked by him. and He looked at me. I looked at him. I'm like, uh, 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 uh huh? I didn't say anything, but I'm like, we had to look like. I know you're a player, Do but I, I don't recognize you? your face. Right. Yeah. And he's like, I think. Like I had that look, I mean, you know, here I am, delusions of grandeur, um, might have recognized you from Twitter, or maybe, you know, interacting with his uncle, uh, but I got a bunch of pictures there, I got some, I thought I got some video, I'm not sure if I did or not.
1: Well, he pitched an inning and a third, I want to say.
0: It's in the affiliate rundown.
1: And he did a great job. His uncle came down because Angela and I reached out to him before going up to the game yesterday. And so he came down and he was sitting there with us, chatting with us when who comes trotting in from the bullpen it's Sam, so he got his phone out and he was FaceTiming with Sam's dad. Okay, Sam grew up in Ohio. Okay, uh, but he was FaceTiming with his dad like his the whole, through the whole appearance,
0: and it was it was really cool. That is cool, and uh, he, his dad's not showing up till tomorrow. That's right. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it was it was funny because his dad was so serious about everything. He wanted to know what pitch it was, you know, what he threw, what the location was. I mean, he was he really wanted
0: to keep track of the game, dude. He hit ninety.
1: Oh yeah, he did. You know, he did great. Undrafted
0: free agent. I am lo- a big fan of undrafted free agents. A lot of those guys come out of uh, UCSD and uh they it's your shot. Yeah. You know, and to not have to worry about going, you're not going to Tri-Cities, you know, in the complex the first year you come here to Lake Elsinore. Maybe he can find himself in the bullpen next season.
1: Well, I only saw him throw a couple of pitches that got a little bit wild. He bounced one, and there was a fastball that was up out of the zone where catcher Jalen Washington had to come up and, and reach for it. But everything else was right around the zone. The velocity was good. The stuff was good. And he looked composed out there on the mound. So that's you – know, I was so happy for him. So
0: – Sam!
1: V- Angela and I waited waited after the game when he came out to just to shake his hand and say, good job. You're know, uh. welcome – Damn, yeah,
0: that's so cool. Yeah, that's so. He had to wait inside because I talked to Doug after the game.
1: So congratulations to Dan Dallas too, though, because Dan's had a up and down year. That's somebody that Angela has followed a lot. So I want to give a kudo to Dan Dallas for earning his way uh, back into the upper minors.
0: Absolutely, we'll be uh, hopefully we'll be talking about some of the uh, good innings those guys pitched up in, in El Paso. Oh yeah, but moving on, MILB's Kurt Rallo did a little write up on Jose Casada. Uh, the Fort Wayne catcher Juan Fernandez has had a perfect view to see the improvement in reliever Jose Consada. This season, Fernandez has seen Consada whittle his ERA down from 4.26 in 2018 to 2.82 in 2019, emerging as a mainstay in the 10-caps bullpen while posting a 1.38 whip, a 6-3 record over a team-high 41 appearances uh jose is a different pitcher this year fernandez said when he throws the ball he has more control he also has a better curve and a better changeup this year the main thing for him is better control i think he's ready to pitch in the big leagues the catcher continued he has a very good fastball and he's getting consistent with it he he's really worked hard he works hard every day he's made himself special he's had great concentration in practice and in the game Casada made his mark as a shortstop in high school, as well as a starting pitcher. That changed at Texas Tech, when he posed, when he honed his skills as a reliever. Casada, five foot nine, one ninety five, has a ninety five mile an hour H.
1: So, and I'll tell you that that Fastball. five that five foot nine is a little bit of a uh, you know how they where they list them. They're always a little bit. It's
0: complimentary. <laughs> it's a compliment. Yeah. Hey. It doesn't matter, and you know, Munoz is uh, is a, a perfect example. You do not have to be six four, six three to be throwing ninety seven. If you can throw it, and it comes in for a strike, it doesn't matter how tall you are. Oh yeah,
1: and if anything, being I mean, they say that taller guys have a hard time repeating their mechanics. Yeah. They struggle with their the mechanics of their delivery.
0: Yeah, uh, I struggled a little bit in the beginning of the season, but I kept working to learn how to do things the right way. Casada said. Last year, I had difficulty with my arm. It would bother me when I threw. I couldn't pitch the way I wanted to. This year, I'm healthy and I'm having fun. Casada says he's increased the velocity of his fastball in the professional ranks. I've had to learn how to use my body to help with my velocity, Casada said. I didn't throw this hard before. Learning at the professional level, learning to use my body has really been important in terms of developing my fastball. To develop into a more effective reliever, Casada is using his slider more. My slider is one of my best pitches, he said. It helps me to have more power in my fastball. I throw a changeup sometimes. It's something I'm working on. I'm comfortable with my changeup, but if I can get outs with two pitches, my fastball and my slider, then I'm going to do that. Fun fact,
1: Jose Cazada was roommates with Grant Little, who is an outfielder for the uh, Fort Wayne 10 Caps.
0: Ah, excellent.
1: I mean, in college, they both went to Texas Tech. I they,
0: didn't know that. You know, what? Yeah. I read the whole article and they didn't say anything about that. Yeah, they
1: were, they were picked in the same draft.
0: Oh, And then when
1: me and Angela were out in Fort Wayne, we were chit chatting with the guys in the bullpen, and he's he's a very friendly, talkative kind of a guy. And Did so you... I asked him about that. He's like, "Oh yeah, we were roommates."
0: That's awesome. I wonder if they're roommates in the uh, you know in the complex or uh, sorry at the. In the I, I,
1: I think they are because they're living four to an apartment, and I think they kind of group them. They group them up based on you know where they're from and what like position player groups and all that stuff.
0: Right, you have pitchers with catchers and
1: yeah, but if they have a history going back together and you know, do you want a room with that guy? Sure. Maybe the answer would be no. Right. <laughs> no, because his his socks are so stinky and he never does his laundry. Oh, you dude, know Grant that kind Little of thing. Is
0: so sweet, and he's <laughs> a good kid. <laughs> Moving on, uh, EBT's Austin Hartsfield. God, that kid. Let me let me tell you about Arthur Hartsfield like he's been all over the place. He has been like a mainstay in today's word is mainstay. um, At Amarillo. And I would really love to have that guy on sometime soon just to talk to him about everything that's been going on in Amarillo. I'd like to pick his brain on how he interacts with those guys in Amarillo, the team, the coaches, uh, because it seems like he has quotes every game. It seems like he's, you know, right there taking video every game. and, as someone who kind of does this, I mean, I do this for fun. I'm sure he does that. Does what he does in Amarillo? It's for a fun. hobby. Yeah, because he writes for EVT. I want to learn how to better interact with players, interact with with, with coaches, uh, what you can and can't do. I know clubhouses are different and affiliates are different, but like, he's getting solid quotes and uh, just tons of great content. That was my push for Austin. <laughs> uh, so this is an interview with Ivan's, uh with Amarillo's Ivan Castillo. When you're an international prospect, how does that process work, Yvonne? We talk to scouts, but from where I am, from where there is a lot of scouts in the area of Monte... There are not a lot of scouts in the area of Monte Cristo, but it's so far north. So there isn't a lot of opportunities there. What we could do is we would go... What we would do is we would go to the city of Santiago or Santa Domingo, and we do tryouts and other things. You play for a manager that has over 1,200 games under his belt. What has, been, what has it been like playing for coach william wellman it's a lot of fun he lets you play and be yourself that's the kind of thing you want as a player you want a manager like him that lets you just go out there and have fun like wellman you spend a lot of time with coach pardon and last time we even talked about him how much he has helped eddie Oliveres. what is it like what is it what is it that makes coach pardon a good hitting coach Pad- Padron. Padron. Ra- Raul Padron. Padron. I don't drink, so Padron is not... Oh, that's Patron? Yeah, yes. It's Patron. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, he doesn't force any change, which is good because when he sees something, he will tell you and explain what the benefits are about doing it the other way. He really explains it to you and doesn't say, do this. He's been doing a great job all season long, and it's good to have him as a hitting coach. A little quick, a little quick. I wanted- He's been doing really well. He's been doing great. He's a... God, and... We picked him up from what the Toronto organization. Well, he was a minor league free agent, and they, they
1: yeah, they, they released him. Yeah, and now he's playing all over the place. Um, I'm trying to pull up his uh, his fielding here. He has played for Amarillo. He has played third base, second base, center field, and left field, and he's DA. Oh, and some shortstop too. So the guy can you know he plays wherever you want him to play, and he just does nothing but hit.
0: Yeah, and if you can do that, you're going to move up.
1: Oh yeah, so he's hitting 317, getting on base at a 345 clip, and slugging 466 with with only 54 strikeouts in 416 plate appearances. You know, and what I noticed
0: about him is he's not a big guy. Mm-hmm.
1: No, he's not. So that may that may limit. His, I mean, you you don't look out on the field and you see like Alan Cordoba. He is a big dude, and he's shortstop, but he's like six foot three, and he's yeah. built. And you look out there and you go, that guy's an athlete. I bet he's got power. I bet yeah. he's got all this stuff. But you see somebody like, so Ivan Castile's listed at 5'9", 173. So he's a pretty average-looking guy. Yeah. So you kind of have to watch him for a while before you start to realize
0: that he can play. He, yeah, he's got something. So moving on, Madfriars. Uh, John Conniff has a write-up on Sean Gilby. I think John Conniff is,
1: he is the first person on the Sean Gilby bandwagon. He's been banging that that drum for a while you know we've talked about him here on the podcast we have but we've talked about him because,
0: because Mad Friars about talks about him <laughs>
1: and, in, and then in our, in, our, in our conversations with him he keeps hang, banging on that like keep an eye on Sean Gilby. this guy is yeah. going to be good
0: yeah absolutely and uh, I think we got him in the affiliate rundown as well so Sean is a young player with some serious bat speed said Dust Devils manager Mike McCoy I'd like to say that he has heavy hands because the ball comes off his bat a little differently as with a lot of young players he is learning who he is as a player and he needs to make more contact i think he can sometimes get too selective because he can hit more pitches than he is swinging at he's improving every day in his judgment of the strike zone going go ahead no i think that's a, that's an interesting comment it's, so i've read about the
1: how the strike zone changes at the different levels of the minors yeah. and so I, sean's in the northwest league is he still in the Northwest yeah, League? Yeah. So the at the lower levels, the strike zone tends to be the largest, and as they move up, it, it also improves in consistency from umpire to umpire. But it becomes tighter and tighter and tighter. So you see the guys that are the free swingers that can because you know, the strike zone's so big, you yeah. got to swing at stuff that's six inches off the plate because they might call it a strike. Where he's too selective for that, so he has been striking out a little bit more than he should because he's watching stuff that's off the edge and he's getting burned by it. But what they're trying to tell him, and I, I know they talk about this later in the article, I don't know if you had that part of the quote, um, but that he's he's only swinging at the stuff that's right in the heart of his zone, and he's learning that if he can adjust a little bit off that, he can still barrel it up, Yeah. but he needs to learn to do that to open up what he's looking at, which is the opposite of what it seems like everybody in this organization does. They're swinging Just, at everything, <laughs> swinging at sliders in the dirt, where he's spitting on them, and they're going, wait, there's a fastball at the bottom of the zone. You could have put 10 rows deep. You know,
0: three weeks ago I would have said that's Mejia all over, but Mejia's been really doing really well with the big league club. He has. Well, and what I liked about that quarter is he's learning who he is as a player. Now, I asked this about Doug, to Doug Banks, uh, the interview that you guys are going to hear in the next episode, where I asked him, what are you learning you know, in A-ball? Because he was the 10-caps hitting coach. And in you know in a ball and in the complex they are developing who they are as as a player as a hitter are they going to be a power you know and, and and what that looks like and it was really interesting you guys the interview with with Doug is hugely informative for those nerds that to love to hear about you know not only hitting instruction but hitting you know just the whole facet of the player itself when it uh, pertains to hitting um but moving on, going into the and it's funny that you would have to say like, "Yeah, swing at more pitches, dude. Don't be so selective." I was going to say a joke there, but I just it it whoop, <laughs> right out of my head.
1: Now, we like keep this PG-13 It hits. was just par for the course. <laughs>
0: um, going into the 2018 draft, Gilby was viewed differently by scouts. Some saw a 6'2, 195 athlete uh with exceptional strike zone judgment and power that could play a corner infield. Obviously, there's Obviously, everyone's dream is to be in the major leagues, and I just wanted to get that started as soon as possible. The Padres were able financially to make that happen, said Gilby. So they drafted him straight out of high school. Yeah. And they paid him a significant bonus to sign him away from his college commitment. Absolutely. It was a big thing for me because I did not want to give up my option of playing in the SEC if it wasn't the right situation. You remember when we talked to Mason
1: Fioli and he said that there's only three le- three leagues you don't turn down. Right. And one of them
0: was the SEC. SEC major leagues and the Cape Cod League. It was the Cape or the Cape Cod <laughs> League. Well, you know, it's funny about the SEC. So last night at the game, I went up to the press box cuz it's just a desert out there and it's nice and cool. Um but who was in there? A couple of young kids, and I was talking to them about the the Padres. It was the uh, – so there are two retired numbers in the Storm outfield. Yes, field. yes. One uh, is Jake Peavy. One is Jake Peavy, and the other is, I don't know. It's Urso. Bur- Urso. And the son of – of I can't remember, Dan Urso or Steve Urso, insert first name there, uh, he was with the Angels organization. His son was in, was in the uh, press box because he came up to see Sean McCall – Sean McCall was talking to somebody, and so they moved out of the broadcast booth and hung out there.
1: Joe Urso. Joe Urso. Joe Urso, affectionately known as the mayor during his playing days with the Storm. Joe Urso was a fan favorite of the Lake Elsinore faithful. Drafted by the California Angels in the 49th round of the 92 MLB amateur draft out of the University of Tampa, Urso was primarily a Storm middle infielder during the team's first three seasons. He was a standout on the inaugural 94 team and had an all- and an all-star and storm MVP in 1996, leading Lee Elsinore to its first California league championship. He is the franchise record holder in numerous categories, including games, hits, runs, RBIs, and doubles.
0: So there's your little lesson history lesson on Joe Urso. And guess where he's the head coach? Where? University of Tampa. Oh, how about and, that? And guess where his son's going? Tampa. Tampa. Guess where Tampa's in? The SEC. <laughs> right. Wait, are they? It's what he, I asked him and he said, yeah, are you guys in the SEC? He's like, yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. University of Tampa? Maybe just for baseball? Do they allow him to do that? I, I don't
0: I don't know. Okay. He might have been just talking up maybe a little bit. All right. But getting back to this, um in his first year in Arizona Rookie League, he hit just two eighteen and struck out sixty two times in 173 plate appearances. He hit ten he hit ten doubles, a triple and five home runs, fuel his four twenty one slugging percentage. And watch forty times to finish with a four oh nine OBP. So we hit two eighteen, at a four twenty one and a four oh nine slash. His numbers were a little different, said Sam Guiney, Padres director of player development. <laughs> at the end of last year, he's a very physical kid that can play both second and third base. He hits the ball very hard, and yeah, it was an intriguing stat line. We took him out of high school, and he was some with some. He has some intriguing tools. Uh, we can see a lot of growth in the next few years. Last year's. Sometimes when I would get my pitch, I would miss it. So that was why my average wasn't there. But overall, the on-base and slugging showed that my approach was there. Absolutely.
1: University of Tampa is in the SSC.
0: SSC. Okay. Well, I stumble, or like I stutter. The so- su- the Sunshine State Conference. Oh. The Sunshine State. Uh back to the interview. sorry i totally pulled <laughs> Dude, no, 3 for a loop <laughs> it is all good i think i have a good vision i think i have good vision at the plate this is one of my biggest strengths in my senior year of high school i set the state record for walks because i didn't get pitched to a lot but i still hit well and that was really difficult for me to learn how to do my main goal in my approach is more contact in the zone i don't swing at pitches outside the zone very often my approach right now is when i get the fastball in the zone which isn't too hard for me to see is not to try to get too big and get the barrel of the bat on the ball. I talked with one of my coaches today and I need to realize I can hit more pitches than I think I can, said Gilby. After a three-hit night in late July, it's not a huge adjustment, but I just want to expand my zone a little more while still swinging at my pitches and not the pitches that they're trying to get me out on. Yeah,
1: you know, what you were saying earlier about trying to figure out what kind of a hitter you are. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a difference in your approach when you go up there trying to hit for average versus trying to hit for power I would imagine I mean you watch Hunter Renfro up there and he's getting cranked up on every swing yeah and it's max effort it's a it's a longer stroke versus somebody trying to hit for average who shortens up quite a bit
0: yeah and and relies more on contact instead of
1: heavy contact Yeah, because I never remember Tony Gwynn looking like he was swinging hard no it It, was
0: point a to point b bam barrel on the ball mm mm-hmm well and it's just I mean Tell me if I'm wrong, hey, you need to be less selective. I just can't get over that. It's just like you tell a guy to expand the zone, but you know, being selective. Uh, not, you know, hasn't instead of it being like a walnut size strike zone, let it be like a beach ball size strike zone, a little bit bigger, maybe a softball, and you know, those outside pitches you can drive to the opposite field. You know, that inside pitch that you normally would take, maybe you can get your hands to and pull it down the line. Well, you're talking about a kid right out of high school. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know,
1: with all the camps and all that stuff, but really how much coaching has he had? And if the kid really just flat out hits everywhere he's gone, then maybe people have taken a hands-off approach with them. Just, yeah. you know, let him mash. <laughs> Why mess with something that works?
0: You know, and it's funny how in America it's like, that's okay. You you don't, you don't see a lot of that in the Dominican because you can't walk yourself off the island. Right. Oh, moving on to the affiliate rundown, guys. Uh, El Paso, the single for El Paso right hand, right fielder, Michael Geddes tied the Chihuahua's team record by clubbing his 30th homer of the season. Geddes also connected on a double and drove in three runs. The outfielder has a scorching hot August, hitting 300, 349, 775, although that does come with just one walk and 13 strikeouts and 41 plate appearances. Uh. The double starter Emmanuel Ramirez continued a rough introduction to the PCL, giving up five runs on three more homers and on three more homers Saturday night. The 25-year-old has been rocked for 42 runs and 32 and two-thirds frames over seven outings since joining El Paso.
1: Now, he got a late start to the season, didn't he? He, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he was was held back in uh, extended spring training. Something injury-related, because I was wondering why he didn't go right out to start the season. Did he go straight to double A? I think he went straight to PCL. PCL. Yeah. I may be mistaken.
0: Right. And that was a very long time ago.
1: Yeah, we never claim 100% accuracy on this show.
0: (laughs) No. Uh, He's given it both frequent and loud contact, yielding a three sixty one average and 19 homers since his mid-jipe july promotion from amarillo that that answers your question right there yeah
1: there it is (laughs) read the rundown roy
0: right that's okay say that five times all right well
1: i'll read the next one here um for our triple austin allen and aderlin rodriguez both continued torrid august hitting rodriguez doubled in a run in his second trip to the plate before hitting two run homers in each of his next trips to the plate the 27 year old has hit in nine straight games hitting 425 with six homers in that stretch since the All Star break, the first baseman has tormented PCL pitchers with the 368-403-728 line. This month, his slugging percentage is an even more eye popping 904. Allen has been almost as unstoppable at the plate, hitting 382 with a 727 slugging percentage for off, for August. After his three for five night Sunday, his OPS over 62 games in triple A this year is 998, as he's produced about a third better than the league average on the year for a catcher who hits from the left hand side.
0: Absolutely. And, and Adelina Rodriguez, he was hitting bombs like the beginning of the season, was just crushing. Oh, he lit up spring training. And we were like, Whoa, who is this guy? I remember we were talking about him in the, uh, on the podcast. We like, like, wait, Eric Hosmer who? Right. Can we, like, can we, like, Nancy Kerrigan that guy just to
1: get him up? Well, and now Hosmer's had it. He's having a good year. Yeah. I'm happy with Eric Hosmer, yeah. but it's nice seeing this guy tear it up like this absolutely and i think he's 20 yeah he's 27
0: mm-hmm. well, and you had a little bit he had some notes from uh from austin allen yes um let me pull that up he was on baseball prospectus hot sheet yeah he was on the
1: yes he was on the baseball prospectus hot sheet and you I'm got it cue the music here um here we go okay so austin allen uh so baseball prospectus puts out their hot sheet yeah. was it once a week i think yeah. um why he's here he's for the last week, he was batting 462 on base, 462 percentage, and then slugging 962 with nine runs, seven doubles, two home runs, nine RBIs, and only one strikeout. The scoop, whatever concerns exist about Allen's defense, there is no question he can hit. The left-handed masher has continued his long track record of consistent impact content contact this season, recording nine extra base hits in six games this week. While the ball is flying in triple-A, Allen's extra base power has always been real, and he is firmly in the mix for a September call-up to San Diego. So uh, El Paso, is they won the first half of yeah. the PCL, so they're going to be in the postseason one way or another. So you've got to figure that a bunch of these guys are going to be held in El Paso for that stretch. Um I, I, Ty France came up to the Padres, so yeah. he he might not go back down. Right. Now that we know that Kinsler and Tatis are out for the rest of the year, uh, but the rest of these guys, they're probably going to keep them there through the end of that postseason run. The Padres seem to value the the postseason experience with these guys. You know, playing yeah. games that matter. I know it's a smaller stage, but you're in those big moments. Your team's relying on you. Yeah, that that all
0: matters. It it, it does, and it mattered the year before last when they kept the core four down there and Renfro and they went to the championship last year they brought those guys up Um I you know and with with Hedgie in Mejia up yeah, there's have, there's no have, room there's no room and and really the Padres got to figure it out and, and you know much more smarter people and you can have the, all the debate you want on Twitter about who should be playing and it looks like you know Mejia has been getting a shot and he's been running with it because everyone knows everyone knows what Hedgie brings, what Mejia brings, but then you have this you know, this another left-handed hitting catcher just tearing it up. Oh yeah. And sure he's hitting on the moon and and sure you know the those numbers are skewed in the Pacific Coast League. But you have to sometimes give him a chance. Now do you want him to get it next year when he's invited to spring training and maybe one of these guys are traded, maybe a hedge traded or you know, maybe Mejia's traded. I don't. I don't know. That's another whole debate. Well, so you've got opportunities for pinch hit appearances,
1: if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, but then the other part is you have Luis Luis Torrens as well. There are four catchers on the forty man roster, and Torrens has been in Amarillo this whole time. And there's some team Torrens
0: in Padres Twitter as well, and he's there been are. doing really well as well. Yeah. But once again, they're both in in in, in leagues. And fields that are hitter friendly, so it's tough to gauge what they can do in the major leagues when they're hitting on the moon or when they're hitting in the a hitter's. Well, ball that's park. why you don't
1: scout the stat line.
0: Absolutely, and it's believe me, it's like, <laughs> it's like it's it's a really yummy stat line. Uh huh. But you know, you're eating in a place where you know it's that's what it, that's what they. I don't know. I couldn't finish that analogy. <laughs> but I'm just saying, we, you need to give him a shot, and you have to you know you have to be able to either showcase him in the major leagues or. Or, you know, or just keep them down there and maybe put them together in a trade package or, or whatever. I'll, I will be shocked if all four of the
1: four guys are still in the organization yeah. come spring training. Yeah. Something's got to give between now and then.
0: Yeah. Moving on to Amarillo. Catcher Luis, speaking of the devil, the single. Uh, catcher Luis Teran connected for his 12th homer of the year. His only hit of the evening. The young catcher has been a solid all year offensively and currently sports a career-high 833 OPS. Defensively. Terrence has caught 48% of the would-be base healers and has just six pass balls and 663 innings behind the plate. Woof! Uh, he had a, he, he had 21 a year ago in Lake Elsinore.
1: Yeah, he already looked pretty good defensively when he was with the Padres. Yeah. As a, what, a 21-year-old who came straight up from rookie ball? Rookie ball, yeah. Maybe he had a little bit of time in single A. I can't remember which one of those it was. But... The, the, you could tell that the defensive skills were there. There were there was some some rough, you know, sanding down the rough edges that need to be done. But now he's looking like an elite defender. Yeah. I'd like to know the framing numbers because they have all that stuff. They've got all that TrackMan data that they don't publish anywhere. It's not available like on you know because I can go on Fangraphs or on Baseball Prospectus and see. Is there what, a baseball
0: savant would have that stuff?
1: Um, baseball savant does have that. Yeah, they started putting some different catcher metrics out. But there's data available for the major league guys, not of the minor league guys for catcher defense. But the team has all that data, and they're watching all of that. Because we were talking to Blake Hunt, and he was talking about that, that after they get a report about what they did and where the pitches that they lost were located. It's an interesting topic. I mean, he's got all these good catchers. It's a great thing because now you've got four guys on the roster, and then behind that you've got Compusano, who's probably on your list here. He is. And we'll be talking about him in the
0: next episode.
1: Yep, and then you've got Blake Hunt, and then I mean you've got Chandler Siegel, you've got Joey, uh, Joey, uh Johnny Hamza. There's there's so
0: much depth at catcher right now. You know what? And I am a I am a bad man. I didn't put Blake Hunt has been on a tear. He has, and uh, I didn't. He didn't make the cut.
1: Well, he's kind of he's kind of low key on the tear. Yeah. Because you've got other people that are going bananas. Michael Curry just will not stop hitting home runs. Yeah. You know, you got people like that that are, that are grabbing the, the spotlight where he's just quietly putting in the work and having a really good season on both sides of the plate. Yeah. So let's keep it on track here. All right, so the for double. the double and Amarillo. Frisco jumped Amarillo starter Kyle Lloyd for nine runs over the first four frames and cruised to the, and cruised to the win. Despite a three-game losing streak, Amarillo remains in the division lead. Darius Valdez, Blake Rogers, and David Bednar combined for 4.2 scoreless frames before newly re-promoted infielder Rudy Hirone tossed an inning of mop-up work. That's the second time that he's done that this year. Bednar struck out two of the three batters he faced, extending his scoreless streak, scoreless inning streak to 11.
0: So I saw him the day before. I saw him on Friday.
1: Yeah, he was in like Elsinore. He was in Lake Elsinore. Yeah, I went over and said hi to him.
0: <laughs> and then the next day, he's in Amarillo, Doing mop-up. That's so funny. Um, what I wanted to mention here, and we're going to get into the triple here in a minute, was Saturday night they had the Bacher Strong auction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw online, I saw on Twitter, uh, they sold Lake Bacher's jersey, and they did that one online, or they did that one at the field for 2500 bucks. Holy cow. I did. I messaged Sam, um, and I didn't get any numbers back. I think he was going to ask, but I just didn't follow up. Um. So they twenty five hundred bucks for just his jersey. Wow. So you could you could. I don't can extrapolate that, but I mean, I'm sure they made a lot of money uh, for to help them battle like cancer's expensive. Oh yeah. I mean, just put it into human terms. It's an incredible toll, and it's a horrible thing, and that. But the money that you know that they hopefully that they they, they made. It's going to help. And hopefully it was in the thousands and thousands of
1: dollars. Well, yeah. If the Jersey went for 2,500 bucks, yeah. I saw that the ball, they had the ball listed on that app, the live source app. Okay. Um, and it was up over, it's like 540 bucks. The one that David Bednar signed. Okay. And the jerseys were starting at $200. I haven't kept an eye on what the auctions have been doing. I bought some raffle tickets. You did. It's, okay. So Allegiant flies to El, San Diego to El Paso. Really? So if I wind up winning the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the travel voucher, then I, you know, maybe get a you extra to. trip to El Paso. Right, and, right.
0: You're gonna to have to go to El Paso. But yeah. They
1: don't, do they go to Amarillo? I, no, no. What? Well, at least not directly. I, I, I didn't look at their whole network. Does, does Amarillo they must fly airport? to Amarillo. They're <laughs> sponsoring the thing. But maybe you'd have to take five bounces there because right. it's a limited airport. <laughs> they only run so many. And they don't go to a lot of the major, um, the major airports. Right. So the one time I flew there, I flew from Stockton to San Diego because okay. it was cheaper for me to drive 45 minutes from Sacramento down to Stockton and take the flight down from there than it was to try to fly
0: out of Sacramento. I was going to say, they fly over Amarillo. Okay, here's your stop. Jump out. Pretty much, count to three and pull the cord. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, for the triple, uh, newly promoted Tyler Benson connected with his first professional home run and his first start at Double A. The left-handed hitter, corner outfielder, has been on a solid has been a solid contributor for Fort Wayne this season. Two years after the Padres drafted him in the thirty first round out of Bloomberg University, so he's got four hundred and five professional
1: plate appearances, and that's his first home run. Good, good for him. I mean, he, so he's batting. His career batting average is two thirty two. not bad. No, he's, he's kind of kicked around, um, but not a whole lot of power. But maybe I, I, I don't know. Right. Honestly, I don't know a whole lot about Tyler Benson. I should read. I should read up on him a little bit. I bet he's got a good story to tell.
0: Absolutely. You know, and I, I watched him play for uh, Fort Wayne, and I was like, okay, Tyler Benson. And I kind of looked him up. Oh, a third day guy. So he's a third day guy. Yeah. Um. And he's that, a
1: corner outfielder. But a corner outfielder that doesn't have a whole lot of pop, you know, the how, that's a limited future potential.
0: Yeah. But we still love him. Sure. Speaking of loving, Hudson Potts posted his first multi-hit game in over two weeks, including an RBI single to open up the scoring on that game.
1: You know, and it seems like when I see Hudson Potts show up in the stat line, he's hitting home runs. So you talk about what kind of hitter are you going to be, and people can skew too far one way where they're really just going yeah. all out for power. And we watched him in spring training, and the power is way legit. Yeah. I and mean, he doesn't make it – it doesn't look hard coming off his bat, and it no. just takes off. But if he's selling out for power because he thinks that that's what's going to carry him, but then he's striking out a ton.
0: And he's really young still. He's young. Yeah, like he's still not even 21 yet. He had, mm-hmm. I think he's 20. Uh, and a double-A. Uh, And you can say what you want about him this being a second year. And I think we've even said on the podcast that, you know, this is going to be the year where we're going to find out what Hudson Potts is. I still think it's a little early. Sure. Um, Sure. You can have some concerns. Sure. You can be like, okay, he's fallen off some of the, some of the prospect lists. Um, yeah, but who
1: cares about prospect lists absolutely. that much? I mean, it's nice to make the list. It is. But the goal is to make the majors. And yeah. it
0: can be a long road. Absolutely. And and you know we I, and we'll say it again, like we're so used to like having Tatis come up at 20, most guys don't make the major leagues till they're 22, 23, 24.
1: I've been seeing a bunch of articles now that Tatis was shut down for the year. There are all these articles coming out about we need to appreciate what Tatis just did because yeah. you have to understand how unusual it is. And it's, it's him, Acuna, Soto. There's a handful of guys that are doing stuff that people age 20, 21 don't do no. in professional baseball. Oh. For whatever reason, there's this youth movement right now of a bunch of guys in that same age group that are all. I mean, Juan Soto is putting up better numbers than Bryce Harper did his first two years yeah. in the league. Yeah. And nobody nobody gets, he doesn't get the press that Bryce Harper got.
0: And they're doing just fine because they're now back in the hunt. Oh, yeah. After being 19, I thought today on MLB, after being 19 and 31, they are now deep in the hunt.
1: Yeah, at one point I thought they were going to, they were shopping Scherzer. Yeah. I don't know if they were actively shopping Scherzer, but that was the conversation was what would it take to get Max Scherzer from the Nationals?
0: Yeah, and Acuna Jr. is another one of those just, God, he's a, He's a god. No, if you I w- love watching, if that guy. you
1: were asking all the all the managers <laughs> around Major League, who would you pick to start your franchise? You would hear Tatis. You'd hear Acuna. Probably yeah. more than just about anything else. Yeah,
0: love that kid.
1: All right, so moving on to Lake Elsinore. And I I feel like we could write a whole book here about Lake Elsinore because we spent so much time there this weekend. We did. Uh, But Friday night, Javi Guerra threw a scoreless inning. He is sporting a 0.90 ERA over his last 10 innings. In that time span, he's walked just two batters while striking out 11. And we can add one more to that because he pitched yesterday. Yeah. Pitched yesterday, one full inning, struck out two batters. Uh, The other out was a ground out. Nobody reached base. And all he does is just go up there and pound the zone. 97. So yeah.
0: last night, 97.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't even look like he's working hard throwing no. 97. And, and the, the slider's got legit bite. He looks comfortable out there.
0: I'm, he, so give us your hot take. Well, no, what I wanted to
1: see was what is what does he look like when there's runners on the bases? Uh, because that's something that you, I don't want to say anybody can do it, but you right. can get up on there on the mound and throw pitches, and with nothing else going on, all you have to focus on is throwing yeah. strikes and attacking the hitter. Yeah. That's... It's hard, but that's something that people can do. But then once you have other peripheral stuff going on, how does that work?
0: Yeah, and he's brand new. Yeah. that Last night was inning 17 for him.
1: Yeah, and so, he's he's an athlete, so like somebody who drops a bunt down or whatever, you know he's going to make the play, but even still, it's different angles. It's different, you know, getting the feel for the, you know, the internal clock and all of that. I'd like to know how all that plays for him, but you're not going to know, especially if at, at single A... He's not going to get tested to that level. No. He's he he appears to be above the performance level of his competition. So do they move him up to Amarillo? Do they put him up in, in El Paso for a little bit? He has pitched in El Paso. Or do they just, you know, next time somebody gets hurt or needs a break, he gets the call to come down. He's already on the 40 man.
0: Well, and, and that's you know, just it just, just came to me. Maybe that's why they only have him A, he's a young, young pitcher. B, maybe they are saving a couple of those innings for a September call-up. Why not? Oh, yeah. Why not? You need to
1: see what you got out of him yeah. this year. I've, I've felt like at the beginning of the season that this was a make-or-break make or year for him, kind of in the same way that it is for Michael Geddes, but he's already on the 40-man roster, So yeah. and those roster spots are very valuable. But They're if getting- he can go down there and show that he's not intimidated by the situation and he handles himself well, maybe you got something.
0: Yeah. And we need bullpen help. We need bullpen. We need bullpen ideas.
1: We need bullpen. I'll say this. He looks better on awesome. the mound than Christian Bethencourt ever did. Oh, yeah. Just as far and, as composure and just the mannerisms and everything, he doesn't look out of place. If you didn't know that he was a shortstop for the last 20-whatever years of his life, you would look at him and go, okay, yeah, that's a reliever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, he was on my list to talk to, but uh, he was getting treatment done. It's like, damn it, I had a bunch of questions for him. I was gonna yeah. rasp him about becoming a you know from a from a position player to a to a pitcher.
1: Um they but- had so they had a member, a Padres member event on Saturday. Okay, and there was a, a four-player panel for questionnaire, and it was Luis Camposano, Xavier Edwards, Gabriel Arias, and and uh um, Gera. And they had Ashley up there to translate, and Javi Guerra was speaking in Spanish because he's Panamanian, right? Um and so, but it was it was very brief. You know, there were a couple of questions asked to him, and his questions were very short and to the point. And I kind of get the impression that that's how he handles himself around media. One interesting thing that I noticed, and I'm going off the map here. That's yeah, fine. Go off so Javi is from Panama. Alan Cordoba is from Panama, and the catcher from the Stockton Ports is also from Panama. And I think the Bat Boy. One of the bat boys for Lake Elsinore is as well. So there was a point after one of the games when the four of them all got together and had a picture taken together.
0: I saw the picture take, but I didn't see the bat boy was in there.
1: Yeah, they had. Yeah, it was a kid. Okay.
0: I I, I assumed it was the the bat boy for the Stockton Ports. Maybe that's what it was. It might have been. Okay. Because both our guys are not. Yeah, no, of... you're right. Okay, maybe
1: it was the Stockton Ports. But the four of them took the picture. Yeah, I saw so that. I'm thinking what's the connection here? These guys. And then I looked up the catcher because I wanted to know and I don't have his name in front of me. But I saw in his baseball reference, I saw a little Panama flag and then that all came together. These guys are all Panamanian. And it turns out that Guerra and I I think all three players are from the same city. Really? And it just happens that my stepdaughter's father is from that same city.
0: Small world. (laughs) Small world, six degrees of separation. But moving on to the double, uh, and I asked him in this in our interview, and we'll hold that answer till till we get to it next episode, but the Hawaiian Punch-Out, Joey Cantillo rebounded from a Rocket Cal League debut. Wait, did you call him the Hawaiian? Did you ask him about the Hawaiian Punch? I did, dude. Okay, fine, I did. I, I gave him his numbers, like 128 strikeouts in 90, 98 innings. Is it okay if we call you the Hawaiian Punch-Out? He's like, yeah, I like that. I like okay, it. okay. So you can start calling the hashtag Hawaiian Punch-Out. All right, I like it. Uh, oh, threw, we can have some fun with some t-shirts on dude, that. I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Um, his debut, he threw five shutout innings. That, this game you were at, two hit ball, after walking forward his first appearance with the storm. The big lefty issued just one free pass Saturday while striking out six. Now over the 100-inning threshold for the season, Cantillo needed 84 pitches to get through his five frames. The 19-year-old has topped 90 pitches in just two of his outings during his breakout campaign.
1: He was cold as ice out there. He looked yeah. like his heart was barely beaten. Yeah. He was just cool and steady, consistent rhythm. Everything looks so comfortable for him out there. Dude, he is focused. Oh, yeah, he is. He, he's focused. When I he's saw him focused, in- but it's an internal burn. Yeah. He's not like Chris Paddock where you look out there and he just oozes with this confidence and this intensity. Joey doesn't quite have that. Maybe it's a little bit more like McKenzie a little bit because yeah. you don't see McKenzie. You don't see like... He's not like emanating this aura right. of, it's just, you know that he's bringing it and he's going to kick your ass. Yeah. And and Joey is kind of like that, only w- with even a little bit less of the, I'm going to kick your ass kind of a thing. He's he just he's
0: very, very even keel, very yeah. ice in the veins. I like that from an nineteen year old. I-, I like him developing that mindset that the, you know, the that's his attitude when he pitches because you don't want to be too over animated. And I think sometimes Paddock falls down Victim to being a little too intense and uh, a little, almost like Jake Peavy, he used to be so emotional when he'd pitch and when he'd, you know, when he'd miss a pitch, he'd pop his glove and he'd be angry and then you'd see him try to throw too hard or trying to overthrow and then it screws up your outing. I'd like,
1: like to think that Paddock's going to learn how to harness that though. I'm hoping he does. there are some guys that go through their career and they learn how to save that intensity for the big moments and then they use it to their advantage yeah. and I really see Chris Paddock being that kind of guy. Yeah. So anyway, Going moving on. on to the triple. Gabriel Arias, he was the man of the weekend. So, um so this is Trying to remember what day this was. This was this Friday? This is Friday. So Gabriel arias tripled in each of his first two at bats, finished the night a double short of the cycle. He had a single and a home run, and the home run was no cheapy. That was a Saturday. Sorry. Was that the Saturday? That was Saturday. Game. I didn't see okay. The triple. dynamic shortstop now sports a three ninety one, four twenty six, six twenty-five line in fifteen August games and an OPS of nine fifty-five in the second half. One of those triples that he hit. He's a right handed hitter, and they've got that tall wall in left, in right field. Yeah. He hit a laser beam off the top left hand corner of that wall. Like it almost passed that wall, hit it right off the top corner, and the two outfielders were coming together and it ricocheted off that wall so hard that it scooted past them toward the infield. (laughs) And so he rounded second and he looked back, and the toss came into like the second baseman or something, and the second baseman turned his shoulders toward home plate, and as soon as Arias saw him do that, he took off for third oh. and got the triple. Nice. So it's the awareness and the the really quick decision-making that you see Tatis doing, yeah. and that it, it's, I, I I don't know what it is in some people that they have it or they don't. That's not something you can teach. Yeah. And he's got it. So now that he's, the, the glove has always been his carrying... Card. Yeah. Calling card, yeah. Yeah, and that's what's carried him up, and now... The glove is legit, and now the bat is starting to look really good. Lance Brozdowski pointed out some stuff before the season that he changed mechanically to yeah. try to shorten up a little bit, yeah. particularly on two-strike uh, counts. Um, and I thought it was interesting. Yesterday, they had Xavier Edwards play shortstop, and Arias was at second base. And after watching Arius at shortstop, I mean, he does not hold back with that arm. No, Every time he throws, <laughs> it is just a laser beam across the infield. Yeah, And I don't know if I've really seen him unwind on one and really let it go because you can tell that there's a little bit more if he really yeah, wants to let one rip. Tank. And so then once they switch positions, Edwards moves, he gets to everything, he's got the good soft hands, he's got the footwork and all of that, but when he goes to throw it, there's a little bit of an arc to yeah. it. And you can see that he just doesn't quite have the same velocity that Arius has. Yeah. Now, I'm watching, I'm going from an elite defender with an arm that's probably near the top of the scale to somebody who's still probably really good defensively. Yeah. But when you see that step down, it, it, it shows. Yeah. But then on the other side of the field, you see the Stockton Ports. And I don't want to knock these guys. It's the A's, uh, single A affiliate, but most of these guys are 23, 24, 25 years old. Pretty much the whole Storm lineup is like 19, 20 years old. No one can buy a beer on that team. Nobody can buy a beer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're sending Michael Cantu out for right. cases of beer.
0: <laughs> they're like, all right, dude.
1: <laughs> so it's just an interesting contrast. That, so you see somebody that's a step down defensively, and you wonder if he was on any other team, he would be the standout. Oh, absolutely. But when you've got somebody like Arius there, you're looking and going, okay, these guys are clearly out of position. Yeah, they, it, they deserve to be swapped.
0: And but, I wonder why they did that. And Edwards does profile as a, as a second baseman and a really good second baseman at that.
1: Yeah, but they probably don't want to move him off it until they have to. Right. Because look at Urias. Right. I mean, everybody's saying second base this whole time. And then he's finally got a chance to start showing that he can play some shortstop. Played for Mexico in the international thing. and AFL, Mexico, And then most of this year. And we go, okay, yeah, this guy's legit. Yeah. He can play. And Edwards is 19 this year? Yeah. He's still filling out. He should be a sophomore in college. yeah. So you don't know what you got with him. So give him a couple years. Maybe there will be an opportunity. Same thing comes up. He's knocking on the door. You've got somebody holding down second base. Shortstop gets hurt. You've got an opportunity to come up. So you don't want to move him off that position now because if he needs to play shortstop down the road, you want him to have as many reps as you can. Right. Absolutely. Moving on to Fort Wayne. The uh, Before we move on, move Gabriel on. Arias was just a machine. this he, he hit four home runs. He's got four
0: home runs in the line. What was it? It's right here. Four. Read it to me. Okay. The scoop. Uh, so this also came from the baseball practice hot sheet. Uh, the scoop: Arias always had a good-looking swing. He just swung at pitches he couldn't hit. That's changed in the second half of the minor league season. As a result, Arias is scorching hot at the plate. The gifted defensive shortstop has hit three sixty-three 360, sixty-seven, four hundred five, five sixty-five since the All-Star break and collected hits by the bunches, as he recorded multiple hits in six of his last nine games, including a 4-for-4 four four effort Saturday night. With the newfound plate discipline, Arias has turned into an offensive force.
1: He homered again yesterday. He did. I think I saw him hit a triple in one of the other two games.
0: For the last week, he was uh, 12 for 26, seven runs, uh, two triples. Oh, the two triples came in the three one Three HRs, okay. nine ribbies, one base on balls, and only six strikeouts.
1: Six strikeouts in 26 at-bats. Yeah. That's,
0: that's solid. That's really good.
1: And he's not making outs on the bases either.
0: No, so we're just going to say a little prayer <laughs> and let that hold over, you know, let that continue. Let that, let, you know, it's one of those things, when things happen in the second, you know, it's kind of like the Major League team. And I know we're getting way off the base here, but, you know, it seems like, oh, we're doing so well in the second half, but it's usually too late, too mm-hmm. little, too late for the Padres. And uh, This some- year
1: was backwards, though. They started off doing well.
0: Right. And then...
1: This is the anti bud Black year.
0: Right. Then they peed the bed.
1: Well, that's, you know, it's... I think it's all for the better. Yeah, because really the focus is supposed to be on next year and beyond. So let's not get our hopes up and trade away a bunch of stuff to try to get that final piece. No, let's build
0: for the long run. Right. When we need that guy and we need a bad and it's obvious, that's when you do it. That's when you trade the capital, and we're not gonna do it before. I, I don't think we should have traded anyone. I mean, Fran, absolutely. But trade a bunch of pieces for a for a you know key starting pitcher? I don't I'm not yet. We may not need him. We'll see what happens next year. But moving on, Fort Wayne, the single left handed pitcher. Omar Cruz has enjoyed his promotion to Fort Wayne after walking six batters in seven innings with 14 strikeouts and his two starts for Tri-Cities. Cruz has very few problems with command and anything else in Fort Wayne. The 20-year-old from Hermosillo, Mexico, has allowed just one earned run over eight hits in 16 and two-thirds innings in his last three starts. All right. So for
1: the double, Ethan Skender, an overslot bonus signee back in 2016, finally made his first professional appearance in June. That was two days before Angela and I got to town. Oh. Uh, he was the lone bright spot for the Tin Caps Wednesday, driving in all three runs. Skender is hitting 326, 386, 446 through 101 plate appearances and is now shifting the story from feel-good to important for the organization. In Skender's 24 games with the Tin Caps, he has never gone hitless in consecutive games. His longest streak, be- streak
0: between hits is six at-bats. You know, we talked about him last last episode, had all the surgeries. Now he's finally healthy. Now he's starting to show, be able to show what he can do. Sure, it's A-ball, but you want to see after some prolonged injuries and kind of like, you know, starts and stops with him that he's starting to hit a stride. Oh, yeah. So he'll come up to Lake Elsinore next year and uh, and we'll see what we got there. For sure. But here's something. So, real quick, Emily Walden, friend of the podcast, has just spent her last game this year at Parkview Field. She had a big thank you out to uh, Minor League Nut, to all the uh, organization over there in Fort Wayne, and said... Mason Fox. Like, I couldn't remember exactly what she said, but she's like, I like this guy. So, for the triple, Mason Fox blew away all six of the batters he faced and has struck out 16 of the 23 batters he's faced since his promotion from Tri Cities. He's a 2000, I think he's a 2019 uh, draft pick. Yeah, I believe he was drafted this year. Absolutely. And then Ripken Reyes, who we talked about at the beginning of the season, had a single and a triple in his first game in full season ball.
1: I'm sorry. He was drafted in 2018 18. in the 21st round.
0: Ah. Back to where I was. So a, a, day, a third day kind of a guy. <laughs> uh, the Padres' 30th round pick, uh, that's Ripken Reyes, out of the University of San Diego, outmatched his competition in the AZL, batting 3:15, 419 and four thirty while striking out just 10.5% of the time. I love Ripken Reyes. I love the name. That's a total baseball name.
1: It is. It's like it's like Cal Ripken and would, Fran Mill Reyes. Yeah,
0: I would think that he was <laughs> named after Cal. Uh, moving on to Tri-Cities, because we have to get all this stuff done. Uh, Friday, not because, but because we have to hurry up. Single Friday, Ethan Elliott started and pitched three shutout innings. Elliott, the Padres' 10th round draft pick in June, has pitched a 1.95 ERA in 27 and two-thirds Northwest League innings. He's had an excellent 28-4 strikeout-to-walk ratio in the pro debut.
1: Double, also Friday, Sean Gilby started in left field and had a multi-hit game. The versatile Gilby has shown good approach and has a great deal of power potential. Overall, he has a 784 OPS while playing his home games at Cavernous Gisa Stadium.
0: The triple Nick Thwaites delivered his best outing of the year and the Tri-City offense got a pair of homers from the duo, the dynamic duo of Southern California collegiate rivals Jack Stornock, USC, and Matt Acosta, UCLA, <laughs> to remain one game out of first place. Thwaites uh, tossed six innings of scoreless ball, allowing just three hits and one walk. The 20-year-old righty has allowed just two earned runs over his last 14 innings, saving more than a run off his ERA in the process. I love watching these guys like Ethan Elliott and, and Nick Dwayze. The Dwayne's been in the system for a little bit, but these guys are starting to show a little bit of something. Particularly you know, with Ethan, 27, that's a lot of innings pitched after probably, I think, a full season of college ball. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you start seeing guys get shut down this time of year. Yeah. All right, so moving on to the AZL. Friday, left-handed pitcher Gabriel Morales threw six shutout innings, allowing just three hits, but he took a no decision. The 20-year-old Southpaw has not allowed a run over his last 23 and two-thirds innings. During that span, Morales has struck out 29 while walking six. In 10 games, five starts. Uh, Morales has a 1.85 ERA. I don't know if it's so relevant if they're starting. Because in the AZL, it's just a technicality if you start or not. Right. Because everybody's going right. like
0: two or three innings. Right. And you may start one game and then come in midway for the other game later on. Sunday, the, the righty Miguel Rondon turned in his third one-hit outing of the year. The undersized righty has struck out 48 and 39 in the third innings. So, Jason, Jason Panini mentioned him on his uh, on our interview with him. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: For the fifth time in his last six outings, righty Carlos Warate tossed five scoreless frames, lowering his ERA to 1.52 on the year. The 18-year-old is pitching stateside for the first time since signing in 2017. He has allowed just 16 hits in his last 29 innings. While he's only struck out 33 in a 41 in the third innings in the desert, he's allowed only 44 runners, and he has yet to surrender a homer. So now that has me thinking, and I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday up in Lake Elsinore. They don't look at ERA so much. In the minors, they look at FIP. and that, okay. those t- So fielding independent pitching, it looks at walks, strikeouts, and home runs. It takes batted balls in play completely out of the equation, and okay. that's how they come up with FIP. So when you have somebody that pitches to contact and doesn't draw a lot of doesn't get a lot of strikeouts they struggle with that metric yeah so it tends to favor the the fireballers that draw a lot of weak pop flies and that kind of thing so hearing that he only has 44 runners and has yet to surrender a homer the strikeouts are low but the homers are low and he's not walking a ton of guys so it 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 kind of balances out it plays a little bit yeah
0: well there it is (sighs) oh i'm I'm out of breath. I am out of breath. <laughs> and uh, and so we're gonna have here. the next episode is gonna be uh, Roy tossed out some questions uh, for the Twitterati to ask and have us talk about. So this next, next I want to do that a little more often. We, too. yeah, we, yeah well, we, we could do that. It could be become a bit. it could become a segment. Um, but we have a couple interviews with, with uh, Aaron Lasher with Doug Banks, and with Joey Cantillo. Yeah, you put in some work this week. I did, and I, I, I want to put those out. But we're going to talk about other players from the Twitter questions in our next episode.
1: So stay tuned.
0: So stay tuned, and you can find me. I, I also, I also um, put our podcast into be on iHeartRadio. And if you guys don't know already, you can find us on Google Play. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on obviously on iTunes and SoundCloud
1: so subscribe and like and share and all that stuff and if you have any reviews or comments or questions please hit us up we're just two guys that like to sit around and talk about baseball but we want to get better at what we do so if there's stuff you want to hear or whatever let us know
0: yeah let us know
1: if you if you can't stand the sound of our voices or whatever
0: you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you sound great i sometimes feel like an idiot but that's okay that's that's just me um You can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan.
1: I am at Zippy underscore TMS. All right, go Padres. Let's go
0: Padres.